Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. City Point, we're kicking off a whole new theme. And uh, I'm actually going to tag into the back of our, our theme that just went by, Love Is. And I know Pastor Sam and Caroline, I saw you know, often watching your, your Facebook posts and your social media posts around the, the incredible things that have been spoken about in church. And I, I know they've spoken so well across the four different loves and they've addressed these things well. But I want to speak this morning uh, off the, the, the fourth love, the love of Storge. Uh, if you see theologians, they call it the family love. Uh, they speak about it as the natural kind of love. Uh, C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Four Loves, calls it affection. Speaks about the love and the affection that comes uh, in the connection together of family. Now, the strange thing I've seen is, is this natural love of Storge, this natural love that's supposed to be outworked in the last eight and a half years of City Point West, I've noticed that it's not always a natural thing. I've seen it to be an unnatural thing, in fact, in the lives of some of our young people. Uh, a couple of months ago, one of our youth leaders was taking home a young boy who was brand new to our church, who came to our youth ministry for the first time. And this youth leader was dropping him home uh, to his parents. And, and, the, and the young boy said, hey, will you please walk me in? I wanted to introduce you to my folks, not realizing what was going on in the house at the time. The youth leader walked with him up the stairs, came onto the balcony to find the father semi-conscious laying uh, on the ground on the balcony, semi-conscious there and and. and the only thing the father could utter to the youth leader was, hey, mate, you got to smoke. The youth leader and the, and the young boy stepped over. The dad walked into the house. And when they walked into the house, turned around to their right to find mum and her boyfriend on the couch together, unconscious with needles sticking out of their arms. You know, that youth leader walked out, dropped off that kid, sat in the car and just wept with the realization that some natural love isn't natural. Families are broken and busted up. We had a young youth leader, up and coming, rising youth leader in our youth ministry. And, and uh, he'd, his family had a history of domestic violence. And he came home one day to find his father severely beating his mother. He, he tried to fight off dad and stop dad. Dad grabbed a knife out of the drawer and started stabbing his mother. You may have seen this on the news. Stabbing his mother. He, he tried to fight dad off. He got stabbed himself a number of times, almost severed his thumb in fact. But fought dad off and pushed him out of the house and locked the door. Dad went to his car, started the car, drove off down the road into a park semi-trailer and ran into the back of it, killing himself instantly. This natural love isn't always natural. In the community that we're in, the generational brokenness is a reality. We see it every day. I see it on my streets. I see it in the reality of young people coming into our youth ministry. The challenge of lives, you break down family, you break down society. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 29 says this, whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only the wind, will inherit nothing but the wind. If you bring ruin on your family, what's supposed to be natural seems so unnatural right now. And it's outworked through perpetual generational brokenness, generational cycles and generational curse. My message this morning is entitled this, Breaking Generational Cycles. Breaking them down. We find this generation after generation perpetuating broken living. I see it every single day. I see it in my community. I see it in the streets that surround City Point West. It's generational. 
Broken dads, broken moms, broken situations bring broken kids. The outcome to that is broken society and broken families and broken lives. A number of years ago, a rapper by the name of Tupac Shakar wrote a song called Dear Mama. In this song, he spoke about his own generational brokenness. He wrote about his own challenges that had gone from generation to generation. In fact, he wrote this song just a number of years before he was shot dead in gang violence. Amazing song, powerful song. In fact, today I want to play you just a couple of minutes of this song. It's a really powerful song. Thanks, guys. Powerful lyrics, powerful words that speak of that generational brokenness in his own life. Let me just touch on a couple of these words. He says, I reminisce on the stress I caused my mom. It was hell, hugging on my mama from a jail cell. Who to think in elementary and primary school that I'd be, I'd be in jail one day in the penitentiary, running from the police, that's right. Mama, catch me and put a whooping to my backside. I think that's one of the powerfulest lines right there. Anyone have a mama give you a whooping when you're a kid? Thank you, Jesus, for smacking mums. Ain't nobody tell us it was fair. No love from my daddy because the coward wasn't there. He passed away and I didn't cry because my anger wouldn't let me feel for a stranger. They say I'm wrong and I'm heartless, but all along I was looking for a father and he was gone. I hung around with the thugs even though they sold drugs. Listen to this. They showed a young brother love. I moved out and really started hanging. I needed money and I started slanging, selling drugs. I ain't guilty because even though I sell rocks, sell drugs, it feels good putting money in my mum's mailbox. What a statement. What a reality of perpetuating generational brokenness. This is the reality of our society today, a fatherless society, a broken society. Research, there's so much research done on, on this fact of the breakdown of the family and the causes and the challenges it causes in our society today. And in fact, they tell us that it's a greater challenge than race, it's a greater challenge than poverty, is the breakdown of family. Carl Zilmer in the American Enterprise said this, there's a mountain of scientific evidence showing that when families disintegrate, children often end up with intellectual, physical and emotional scars that persist for life. We talk about the drug crisis, education crisis, problems with teen pregnancy and juvenile crime, but all of these ills trace back to one source, broken families. Heritage.org did a huge amount of research and in one of their articles they made a number of different statements. Let me read you a few snippets from these articles. Family versus the Hood, two researchers from the National Institute of Mental Health have studied families in high-risk inner-city neighborhoods. Their study indicates that 6% of children from safe and stable homes become delinquent. Meanwhile, 18% of children from homes rated as either unsafe or unstable, broken marriage or lack of supervision become delinquent. But listen to this, 90% of children who come from homes rated as both unstable and unsafe become delinquent. Only 10% did not. They said there's a crucial elements for the breakdown of, of society and they say these are the crucial elements. The root cause of violent crime thus is found in failed intimate relationships of love and marriage and the family. The breakdown of stable communities into crime neighborhood, uh, crime infested neighborhoods flows directly from this failure. In contrast, addressing the root cause of crime requires understanding of crucial elements of supportive family and community life. First element is this the importance and influence of basic marriage commitment. Secondly, is a relationship of love between parents 
and children outwork primarily through supervision. Third, stemming from the first and second is children's ability to relate to other children. And fourthly, the backbone of strong neighborhoods is friendship and cooperation between families. They go on, write many, many things, but towards the end of the article, they make this statement. It follows then that the real work of reducing violent crime is the work of rebuilding family. Institutions in the community, such as the church and the school, have demonstrated their importance to helping restore stability. This isn't church statistics. This is statistics from the world speaking of the power of what we have to do as a church. They go on and in the beginning of the article, they give a whole bunch of stats. Let me read you some of these. Over the past 30 years, the rise in violent crime parallels to the rise in families abandoned by fathers. High crime neighborhoods are characterized by concentrations of families abandoned by dads. State by state analysis by heritage scholars indicates that 10% increase, this is a sad statement, 10% increase in children living in a single parent homes typically leads to 17% increase in juvenile crime. I know that's a challenge in the Redcliffe area right now today. The rate of violent teenage crime corresponds with the number of families abandoned by dads. The type of aggression and hostility demonstrated by future criminals is often overshadowed by unusual aggress aggressiveness in early age of five to six. And finally, it says this, future criminals tend to be individuals reject, uh, sorry, rejected by other children as early as the first grade, who goes on to form his own group of friends, often with future delinquent gang. But on the other hand, Neighbourhoods with high degree of religious practice are not high crime neighbourhoods. Criminals capable of sustaining marriage gradually move away from a life of crime when they get married. Mothers' uh, strong affection and attachment to a child is the best buffer against a life of crime and father's authority and involvement in raising a child is also a great buffer against a life of crime. Proverbs eleven twenty nine: whoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only the wind. New York Times made this statement, families, the basic unit of society. Strong families make great nations. The disintegration of family has been the root cause for the fall of most great civilizations. There's a reality here that family is so valuable and building family is so important. We look at this word storge, this word speaking of family, such a powerful, powerful thing. United Nations understands the power of family. In their preamble of the Declaration of Human Rights, they make this statement, recalling that in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, the United Nations has proclaimed that childhood is entitled to special care and assistance. Convinced that the family is the fundamental group of society and the natural environment for the growth and well-being of its members and particularly children should be afforded necessary protection and assistance so that it can fully assume the responsibilities within the community recognizing that the child for full and harmonious development of his or her personality should grow up in a family environment, an atmosphere of happiness, love and understanding. Article 9 goes on to say children deserve having both parents. Article 18 goes on and says where that parents are separated, there should be allowing children to have access to both of those parents. They finish up and they say this family is a natural and fundamental group and unit of society and is entitled to protection by, by society and by state. The United Nations knows the power of family. The Bible knows the power of family. 
We only find Storge once, and we'll come to that in a few moments. But the concept of family is spoken about continually throughout the Bible, and I don't have time to go into all of it. But let me just jump quickly through some of the powerful pieces of Scripture. Malachi chapter 4 says this, that the hearts of the fathers will return to the sons, and the hearts of the sons will return to the fathers. I pray today that that is a a prophetic declaration over our nation, a prophetic declaration over our cities, prophetic declaration over our churches today as the fathers turn their hearts again to their children, both natural and supernatural, spiritual children. Understand this, that it's not just about the natural kids. Proverbs chapter 17, Psalm 127 say this, children are a crown and a heritage of their parents. I am blessed with three incredible sons. Three amazing sons. My eldest son, Joshua, was 17, finishes school in two weeks' time. You know, he is passionate. He wants to be a pastor in the future. He's one of our key young youth leaders. Um, I preached over at Carindale recently, and I left with a pocket full of photos from moms that, you know, give me photos of their daughters for my son to marry. They just, you know, he's that, that good-looking young boy. And passionate about God. In fact, he's over serving in our church this morning and, and left early just to go over and be a part of serving in church. Uh, my second son actually works at our Carindale location on the grounds there. Great young man, strong young man, born leader. Unfortunately, sometimes can be a bit too much like his mum and dad when they're his age. But, you know, I also got a younger son, uh, Jordy, and, and Jordy has just got a sweetheart and love for God. I continually tell Sam's daughters that one of them's going to marry that boy, no doubt about it prophesying over that in Jesus' name. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 22, train a child in the way they should go and they shall not depart from it. Powerful passage of Scripture. My wife lives by this. I'm two years younger than her. She trained me well. I'm a great husband right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6, fathers, do not annoy your kids. Do not frustrate your children. Mark chapter 10, Genesis 2 says, what God has brought together in the picture of marriage, don't let man come and separate. There's a power of building marriages and building strong marriages for our community. Ephesians 5, Colossians 3, 1 Peter 3. Husbands, love your wives. For the men of God in the house, love your wives. Again, Paul writes in Ephesians 5, as Christ loved the church. Love your wives for every wife in the house. Give me an amen if you believe in that scripture. Joshua chapter 24 says this, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. The picture of family building together, standing together. First Corinthians chapter seven says, for husbands and wives, don't abstain from sex. It's so powerful within the confines of marriage to build a closeness and a unity uh, under God's protection within the covenant of marriage. Proverbs 31 speaks of the power of a mother. Such a profound proverb as it continually speaks about leading the family, guiding the family, walking with the family. Isaiah 66 compares, in fact, the love of God with the love of a mother. Such a profound thing. These scriptures are profound and they speak of family, but none of them actually contain the word storge. Psalm 103 verse 17 says this, but Lord, your endless love stretches from one eternity to the other, unbroken, unrelenting towards those who fear you and those who bow face down in awe before you. Your faithfulness to keep your gracious promise you've made passes from parents to children to grandchildren and beyond. You know, I am so grateful that my children have grown up in a home where mum and dad love them, love each other and stay. They've got grandparents on both sides that are still together, still love each other, still loving the family. You know, my, my grandfather was a lay preacher in the Methodist church. 
My great-grandfather also lay preacher. My great-great-grandfather lay preacher. My great-great-great-grandfather was a lay preacher and they used to call him Fire and Brimstone McDonald because he was a bit of a passionate guy. Uh, my great-great-great-grandfather on my mother's side was saved under the ministry of uh, William Booth in Cornwall, England. I have an incredible heritage and I am grateful that my children come up under that heritage and knowing that heritage, walking in that heritage and maybe... That heritage is one of the reasons I'm so passionate for the reality of what this looks like today in people's lives. It's passed from children to grandchildren, passed on and on and on through the generations. It's the power of heritage. This verse also doesn't speak of storge. In fact, we only find storge one place in the Bible and we have to go to Romans chapter 12. Let's do that today as I lead towards the end of this, this message this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says this, Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask, despise the evil and embrace everything that's good and virtuous. He says that we would have a movement in our lives that we'd love one another. This is the agape word, the, the love of God, the love that goes beyond just, just somebody's earned that love. It's just love that comes, it's unmerited it's pure love, perfect love. It's the love that God calls us to. He says that we would love one another. He goes on and says further in verse 10, be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Family, Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor to one another. If we go back to Greek, the original Greek, there's two words here for love. We've already seen agape. Now we come back and the first one, he says that you would love your fellow believers. Right there, that word is Philadelphia. It is the friendship love. It is the love that you got when you walked in this morning. Somebody shook your hand. Somebody gave you a hug. It's the love that you have when you high five somebody before you grab a seat. It's the love you had when you walked into the foyer and somebody smiled and gave you a hug and enjoyed just your company for a moment. That's that love that he talks about right there. But at the start of that verse, it says, be devoted. In the English, it's, it's interpreted devoted. But here is a wrapping together of two words, Philo storge, philo storge. He says, now wrap together. This is Paul's words. And understand this, Paul isn't accidental. The Bible isn't accidental. The Bible is very clear and trying to show us something here. He says, Roman church, group of people that gather together. You messed up lot that is so broken and messed up. You've come together. You found Christ. Now love each other in God's love. Now have friendship and family. But he says this, now wrap together those things, this friendship and family and actually do love in a way that goes beyond a handshake. I really believe this. In this generation, Paul's statements to the church are more important than ever before. In a generation growing up without families, growing up without dads, growing up without mums, growing up without the family standing around them, in a generation like ours right now, I see it every day. I walk in it every day. In a generation like ours, this has never been more important that we would go past a handshake, go past a high five, go past a, a friendship into a place of family. The church could become family. The church could go past just a quick moment of awesome. We're in church, we're in the house of God, but actually build family together. Again, I'm blessed to have three sons. But as a pastor, I'm blessed to have a whole bunch of kids. Three natural boys, but a whole bunch of spiritual kids. And I've invited three of them to come up with me and join me this morning. And how about you guys come and join me up on the platform? Can you do that, guys? 
these are young guys and girls, obviously girls, uh, from City Point West and part of our youth ministry and part of our team. Tia girl. You know, I have three sons, but this is my girl. Tia girl uh, hangs with our family often, always around our, our house, hanging with our, our crew. My, my whole family loves this girl. My, my boys uh, treat her like a sister. I even try and beat her up, but she's significantly strong and beats them all up themselves. She's 16 years of age. And, you know, a month before she was born, her, her father passed away. She grew up without knowing dad, obviously unable to ever meet dad, and came into our life as a, as a church when she was only young, when she was around the age of five, she came on one of our buses to church on a Sunday morning. And uh, over the years, came in and out of church and part of our youth ministry over the last number of years and come into our life, our family, and become a part of our family. Tear girl, hangs with us, as I said, all the time. Just a, a couple of months ago, she turned 16. And um, just the, the weeks leading up, obviously, remembering the fact that her dad had passed away it was a very sad time. And, you know, we spent some time hanging around all that and, and praying with her and believing with her. And, you know, a couple of days after she turned 16, she got a license. And we went for a drive up to Idesville where her dad's buried. And what did I say, her learners? Her learners, when she got her learners. We drove up there together, took my young son, went up and saw her, her dad's grave. And we sat there and we spent some time. And again, you know, the reality of actually building family is so powerful yeah. being family to people standing and yeah. believing I, I love this kid like I love my boys yeah. she's an amazing young woman young indigenous proud indigenous young girl amazing amazing young woman Dusu this here's Dusu Dusu came to our church when she was 14 she's just about to turn 18 just about to finish school uh, amazing young woman uh, when she just before she was born and her twin brother Harley, uh, just before they were born, a month before, dad didn't die, he just left. Never met her dad, never actually uh, been able to see him, meet him in person. When she was two, uh, war broke out in their country. And uh, mum fleed, uh, took the kids and, and headed into a uh, refugee camp for two years. When she was four, they came to Australia. Grew up, mum was Islamic. Grew up in an Islamic uh, area with the Islamic family. But at 14, she came to City Point West and she found Jesus Christ and fell in love with Jesus. You know, this girl is family to us as well. Uh, she calls me Daddy Mac. We hang together a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, um, she made the statement to me. She said, I, I, the only thing I'm jealous about is not having a dad, is never being able to walk through a shopping center with a dad and do that. You know, that, that Father's Day, I rang her up and said, girl, we're going shopping together. We're going to hang out. We're going to walk through a shopping center together. I'm going to buy you some stuff from a dad to a daughter, showing you that there's a dad that loves you, stands with you, believes with you. And, you know, she'd been a great part of our family and our lives. We did Christmas together last year. Her mum did the first time their family's done Christmas before. Mums started coming to church. This girl, we prayed and we stood together. Mums now in the house of God. Our family standing together. Tremont, this is Monday. This is a good young man. He's 15 years of age. 
he also came on a bus to church when he was around four or five years of age. We are chatting just a couple of weeks ago and he was telling me about the fact that they did that. They come on the bus now. He's been a part of our youth ministry over the last little while. I've watched his boy grow up from when I used to be able to put my hand on his shoulder like this to now I have to reach up to put my hand on his shoulder because he's getting big. The last couple of months, he's, he's just getting so big, so tall. I've watched this young man grow up. You know, he's 15. When his dad was his age, his dad went to jail for the first time. Over the last 20 years, dad's been in and out of jail. I met his dad just a couple of weeks ago, a really lovely man. But generational brokenness, just perpetuated and perpetuated. Mum's had um, challenges at times uh, with addictions and also been in jail. He's basically grown up with his, with his nan, wonderful lady, wonderful lady. Uh, amazing, amazing woman. Saw her yesterday and chatted to her yesterday, amazing woman. You know, this young man has come, been a part of church and been a part of family and been a part of our lives and, and our youth leaders love this guy and, and uh, our, our previous youth pastors, uh, Kel and Joe, just loved on this guy and many people loved, our families loved on this young man. Again, proud Indigenous young man, uh, proud heritage, but challenge of generational brokenness that's been perpetuated through family. Coming to church life, being loved on, being believed on, as people stood with him and continued to love on him as family. Great young man. You know what? He's 15. He's grown up in an environment where there's continual drugs around, alcohol around. But these two guys at a young age made a decision. We're not going to do that stuff. We're not going to be a part of that stuff. Not going to outwork those areas of our life. We want to be different. We want to do better. He was telling me just the other week that people continually ask, come on, come and smoke pot. Come and do these things. No, I don't want to do them. I don't want to live like that. I don't want to be that way. Making decisions to be so much more in a community like Anala is a tough thing. Thanks. You stay there, guys. Stay there. Can I just rush through this passage of Scripture? He says this, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. In light of what he's saying here, be enthusiastic to build family, to build family around people that maybe don't have it. Keep your passion toward Him boiling hot. Radiate the glow of the Holy Spirit and let Him fill you with excitement as you serve Him. I'm a passionate guy and I'm passionate for family. I'm passionate for the kingdom of God. I'm passionate for God transforming Anala. I passionately believe that in 20 years time, that place is different because City Point West is there. I, passion, I believe that with my whole life. He goes on, he says, not just be passionate, but make sure and amongst your passion, you radiate the glow of the Holy Spirit. Let me say this, it takes the Holy Spirit for a 15 year old boy in Anala to say, I'm not gonna live that way. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit for a 14-year-old girl who's grown up in a Muslim home, walk into a church and fall in love with Jesus. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit. A year and a half ago, Tear Girl's best friend died sniffing Rexona King, chroming. It takes the Holy Spirit to help a young girl walk through that. We did a funeral, buried her. It's heartbreaking time in the life of our church and in the life of our youth ministry is just so heartbreaking but it takes the Holy Spirit to enable a young girl to walk through that and just keep faith in God keep loving people keep walking and keep leading people I look in our youth ministry if I want to ask some young indigenous girls to move I don't say can you please move I say to your girl go over there and tell those girls what to do because if I walk over there they don't listen if she walks over there they move quickly it's a powerful thing powerful thing it's the power of the Holy Spirit that enables that to happen he said let us uh, let hope 
burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but continue with God at all times. I'll be honest. I'd love to say that ministry is always easy, but sometimes it's tough. He said, don't give up. Don't give up. Sometimes our youth ministry has been tough. Sometimes loving on these girls has been tough. Sometimes these girls literally just pushed me away. Trying to deal with love, trying to deal with being loved on. Not deliberately, sometimes they do. Sometimes it's just hold you at arm's length. He says, hey, keep loving, keep passionate, keep serving God, keep the strength of God around your life when you're doing that. He goes on and says, take the, the constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. I know God loves these kids and eagerly welcome people as guests in your home. These guys have all stayed in my house. Tia stays so often. We've got a room called Tia's room. It's her room. She's there. So often these guys are in our home walking with us. Speak blessing, not cursing over those who reject and persecute you. Speak blessing. I speak it all the time over these kids. Tell them how amazing they are. Tell them these girls, girls, you're incredible. You're amazing. The first time I told Dusa, I remember saying, girl, you're amazing. And she responded with, no, I'm not. Yes, you are, girl. Telling these girls continually. Telling Tia, girl, you're an incredible young woman of God. You're amazing. She's speaking life into them, speaking it in until it starts to stick and they realize the power of what God has called them to do, who He's called them to be, the greatness of their lives. He goes on and says, celebrate with those who celebrate. Isn't that an easy thing to do? How easy is it to cheer with someone? You had a miracle, praise God. But weep with those who grieve. I've wept with all of these kids. Wept with them. Camp, we wept for hours. We finished praying together as a youth ministry at 12 o'clock at night and everyone else had gone. Weeping, crying, praying. These girls, we've wept together. Have we do, Sue? Hey, tell you, girl. Wept together. There's a power in being family and praying and crying and standing with people when they walk through their own challenges. Live happily together in a spirit of harmony and be mindful of another's worth as your own. Don't live with a lofty mindset thinking you're too important to serve others. Let me throw a challenge to you. How easy is it to see the importance of a rich young kid that walks into the house looking nice, smelling nice? When a kid comes in here smelling so bad that as soon as he walks in, your mobile phone's in danger. How tough is it to bring value onto people like that? I know I've had kids in my home, the first thing I want to do is push them in the shower. Just, you know, how do we bring value beyond what we see straight away in our eyes? Don't live with a lofty mindset. Think of yourself too important to serve others. Serve in a generation. I love what Red Frogs say. To win a generation, we've got to serve a generation. But be willing to do the menial tasks and identify with those who are humble-minded. Don't be smug or even think that you, for a moment, that you actually know it all. You know, this is the reality of what he's saying here. All wrapped up with building a church past just friendship into family. A church of people that can identify and walk with and love on others around us, bigger than just our own safe unit. Accept others into our lives, into our houses, that we could stand together. We can love on some people right now in a suburb that needs it. Thanks, crew. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. 
We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.